Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another podcast episode here from the Hens Half Court Podcast at The Review. This is Patrick Laporte, Managing Sports Editor of The Review. Alongside me are my fellow sports reporting colleagues in Connor Metz and Joe Edelin. You know, obviously, we're talking men's and women's basketball, as usual, with the crew. We kind of had a different weekend with both teams, you know, still three and one on the weekend, as we've seen the past few weeks, but different storylines. So how are you guys feeling in general, overall, and uh, how are you guys feeling about this weekend? Feeling good. It was definitely an interesting weekend, so I'm definitely ready to get after it. Yeah, that weekend was different than normal, and the men sweeping and the women splitting, but still good play from both teams, so excited to talk about them. Yeah, and as Connor said, the men get their first conference sweep of the year. They sweep the University of Elon in uh, their two-game series at the Bob Carpenter Center, while the women go one-and-one. They split their first series of the season, losing their first conference play game on Sunday when they lost to Elon but we'll get into that in a little bit I really want to start I kind of want to start with the men you know I feel like that's the the good place to start they get the sweep as we said first sweep of the season they defeat Elon in kind of a a blowout in their first game 66 to 43 the the leading scores were Ebby Osimo and Kevin Anderson Ebby putting up 14 while Kevin Anderson's with going with for 11 points while the the Blue Hens shot just under 43% from three-point land while shooting 50% from the field. That's one of their better marks on the year, as well as having 16 assists on the day, uh, really moving the ball around and really doing it on the offensive end as a whole. So I want to start here. Guys, you know, as I always ask, what did you guys see in this weekend? I know Joe and I were doing the game for WVUD, so we were were there. But Connor, Joe, what did you guys see and what did you guys think about Delaware's arguably one of their best performances of the year on Saturday? Yeah, no, that was the biggest takeaway I had is just it just looked like a different team. It looked like things were finally starting to click. And in terms of just offensively, it was like by far the best, most consistent we've seen them all year. seems like things are finally clicking. And I think it has a lot to do with Dylan Painter. Like he's really starting to get comfortable down low and he just he just does so much for your offense. His presence in the game, just being a threat on the boards and being a threat down low and just being able to go up and get a bucket has really just opened this offense up. And, you know, we were kind of talking about it pregame on Saturday. One of the biggest things that Delaware struggles with is just kind of being more like ISO team, not necessarily ISO, but just not moving the ball as well. And they've moved the ball really well on Saturday and it was getting them better shots. So, I mean, like everything that could have went right on Saturday went right. I'd even just for this whole weekend as a whole, like just offensively, they look pretty solid. Yeah. Saturday's game was like the best it looked in conference all year. I think it was like, their first, you could say, blowout in conference play. And it really was like both sides of the ball. Elon, like, really struggled offensively to do anything in that game. Scoring 43 points, that's wow. But the defense for the Blueheads was, like, really, really good all weekend, except for Sunday a bit, but we'll get there. But it was good all weekend. They, they played great defense. Their guards played great defense. And really, Elon had no answer to catch up. And I think the balanced attack on offense, I mean, you look at the box score, 66 points isn't like a flashing number, but they shot well. They shot well from three. They got more free throws and they out rebounded Elon by what's the number? 20. So, like, it was a wrap there. And I thought it was a really good opener to the weekend for Delaware, something that we really haven't seen from them yet. You know, and I, my biggest takeaway from game one, I think, was that 16 assists number. I mean, I had said in our preview a little bit last week that I wanted to see Delaware really you know, move the ball offensively and getting Kevin Anderson another week of practice, I thought would help with that. 
And as Joe talked about Dylan Painter as well, having him down low, Andrew Card to go alongside him. And I really think that having Anderson and then having the play of Painter really opened, you know, as opened that offense up. And I said this on the broadcast that they made this is probably Delaware's most holistic as a team, best win of the season, non-conference or in conference play. I mean, you shoot 50% from the field, you shoot 43% from three. That's something that, you know, at times they've struggled to do a little bit. They shoot a lot. They'll shoot the three-point shot, but, you know, they were able to knock down nine of their 21 attempts. I mean, four of those came from Ebi Asamo, who shot four of eight from beyond three-point, the three-point line. And that's that's kind of what you want to see out of him because that's he's arguably your best three-point shooter on the team right now. I, I just like the, the offensive output, and, you know, they just played a holistic game, and it really, really – benefited them and they they just played well throughout one one number that kind of sticks out still is the turnover number and you guys can chime in on this as well I mean 18 turnovers it's still not going to cut it I mean they're they're one of the the leading teams in in you know turnovers per team like they're the amount of turnovers they commit per game they still are one of the top teams in the conference in doing that so that is one thing that you know has kind of been just a struggle with this team all year yeah, and, you know, prior to Saturday, in their last three games, they had 55 total turnovers, so just over 18 turnovers a game. And that's not going to win you many ball games. you know, turn the ball over that much. Luckily, on, you know, this weekend, it seemed a lot of the times they were turning the ball over was when they get into these really sloppy exchanges, both teams, and both teams would be turning the ball over, and it would just be weird, like, tip passes. Like, it was just almost like street ball, like, where, you know, it's every man for himself, and it was just like a lot of, sloppy play from time to time that was kind of causing turnovers. So it wasn't them necessarily being as careless as we've seen them because, you know, I think it was against Hofstra where we, uh, we turned the ball over like 20 times and it was the same thing over and over trying to get the ball down low to Dylan Painter and it was getting stolen every single time. So even, you know, I think you, you can kind of make an exception just for this weekend, you know, with the, with the turnovers just because of the nature of how they came and, you know, everything else that kind of you know, was able to work out for them on offense. Yeah. I thought the turnover issue wasn't that big this weekend. I mean, because they won, but I, I think like you said, Joe, it was just more happenstance than occurring over and over again. I mean, the only thing that really sticks out is as good as our post play is, we are susceptible to turnovers. Painter and Carr do turn their ball over every game, say like three to five times a game. So that, that that's worrying because like to have guaranteed turnovers a game is worrying because those are possessions you lose. So that's like the only thing, but I mean, it didn't really stick out too much this weekend. So I think it's just something they continue to work on and get better as the season goes along. Yeah, I would say it is. It is. I agree that it is worrying a little bit as well. I mean, I noticed I've noticed more that teams are it seems like teams are starting to know that Delaware is main. They're going to look for Dylan Painter as much as they can. And it seems like teams are starting to double him more when he starts to try and back down a defender. I mean, you saw it this weekend with Frederico Poser. I mean, he would, he was on, Painter was on him the whole game. And eventually, you know, Elon would start bringing over a second guy and they'd have to kick it out. And, you know, as you guys talked about, I mean, that's how you can get a turnover out of a, you know, a bigger guy who plays down low. I mean, they're not the most, usually they're not the most, you know, skilled, gifted passers around. So, so I've noticed that, but I I do think that, you know, this is something that, that overall it kind of gets masked by the fact that this team swept Elon and kind of got on track in terms of being able to win now their third straight. But in game two was a, was a, at times it was kind of looked to be a blowout as well. At one point, Delaware was up by 20 points in the second half over Elon on Sunday. However, Elon was able to claw their way back in the second half. 
Delaware finishes winning 75 to 70. Ryan Allen finishes with 26 points. Dylan Painter, 15 points and 10 rebounds. Kevin Anderson, 13 points. And the freshman Andrew Carr with 12 points to go alongside all of them. Another decent shooting performance by Delaware. They shot 46% from the field, 39% from beyond three-point arc. So not as good as game one, but still that's a, that's a, that's a fair, that's a fair uh, number to see there. But as I said, the big thing was down the stretch in the second half, Elon clawed their way back. And it really seemed like at one point with about from five minutes left in the game on, you know, Elon was not missing a shot. And I mean, Hunter McIntosh was the big story. He finishes with 30 points. He was a top five scorer heading into this weekend in the CAA. Hunter Woods and Frederico Poser finished with 12 points. And Ikenna Naduba finishes with 10 points as well. So, you know, I just talked about, I just mentioned it briefly about, you know, that, that second half stretch with five minutes to go and beyond. I mean, talk about what you guys were seeing there. And, you know, what was kind of what kind of helped Elon get back into this game? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing that it wasn't surprising to me, honestly, to see them have this late surge. I mean, uh, on Saturday when uh, at, when we were at the game, like with there was like three minutes left in the game and Elon's getting blown out and the defense in the, in the or the bench is up and they're all clapping, chanting defense like they're all still in the game, even though there was, you know, little hope for them to come back and there was little time left in the game. So you can just tell that that's kind of the identity of that team that they're not going to, you know, just give up and stop playing just because they're getting blown out with, you know, a few minutes left. So that's, you know, it's not surprising. And Delaware at times does get kind of, you know, lazy and careless, sometimes just taking care of the ball or letting teams come back. I mean, in game one against Salem, same thing. They let Salem crawl back and almost come back. So I think we, we've kind of hit it on the head on Saturday. Like when, when you're up, you got to keep your foot on the gas and keep going because, and in an all-conference schedule like that, you can't afford to have a team come back like that on you and take a, you know, come in and steal a win. And obviously they got away fine and that didn't happen. But, I mean, it's already happened a couple of times this year with teams coming back like that. And I think that's something that Coach Inglesby has got to kind of get them to know you got to keep that foot on the gas and, and, you know, put them away and get the win. On Elon's side, I feel like McIntosh kind of put him on their back. I mean, he was making shot after shot. But it did really worry me because watching this game, Elon – did not like they were not playing well on both sides the first half offensively was like a wreck for them I feel like every time they went in a fast break they would always mess it up a turnover or they would not capitalize on the fast break even though they had like a two-on-one and their defense was like pretty lackadaisical too we had a ton of open jumpers which we capitalized on but I feel like this game overall was worrying because of how we let them come back and I I, w- I want to hope it was a fluke, but it just looked like it It looked like the Delaware team from a few weeks ago that can't shut teams out, can't win by more than a few points. They're always stuck in these close games. It's conference play, so you're going to expect it. But it just felt like Elon wasn't on the same level as Delaware, yet we let them get back into the game. And I feel like the box score here, like the reason we won is because of free throws. So we really did well in the paint. Painter played well the three seniors played very well, but I feel like it is worrying because I don't think Elon's that good, good of a team in the conference. So I felt like Sunday's game kind of took away some of the good things I saw in Saturday's game. I think down the stretch, what, what I noticed, obviously I, I touched on how, you know, Elon and you said it as well, Connor, Elon was just sinking everything. I mean, they just pull up from three and it, it was Hunter McIntosh in particular, but there was even times, I mean, there was a shot late by Kenan Aduba to make it, you know, within five points and he had a two defenders in his face and he drilled it. 
So, but I think one thing that kind of stuck out to me down that stretch was, you know, you talked about the free throws and Delaware did shoot decently well. They shot 66% from the free throw line, you know, down the stretch though, they had a lot of free throw opportunities and Elon started fouling and they were making one and missing one. So they were having, they were splitting on the line. And I just, I felt like that was one of the reasons why this game was not closed out a lot sooner. And I felt like if they make those free throws that this game might not have been as close as it was going into the final minute. And it would have been more of a, oh, like, you know, this game's kind of over at this point, but it, it wasn't. And Elon, you know, that combination of going one and one and then Elon making their shots, they're hitting a lot of three pointers in particular. That's something that kind of worries me a little bit. And, you know, to compare it back to that, that Hofstra game a couple weeks ago, I believe that was the second game when, you know, Delaware really struggled from the free throw line and they were just missing everything. And on top of that, they were turning the ball over a lot. So even in this win today, you saw some of what has plagued this team before in past games. And it's kind of, it kind of came back, you know, we saw that a little bit in spurts, but it, it helped that, you know, I would say Elon is probably not one of the most talented teams this year in the conference as a whole. So it helps that you're playing just a team that's not, doesn't have as much baseline talent as Delaware does in just Anderson painter and Ryan Allen alone. So, but overall it was, that's exactly what you needed. I mean, we said that it last Connor and I had talked about this last week. This was a, this was, a, I'd said the series, you need to win two games. You can't come into the series and, you know, want to just take one game because that's not going to cut it against a team. That's not, that should not be as good as you. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. And I, I want to ask now, I mean, Delaware obviously next week does not have a game, at least scheduled at the moment. Their two-game series away at Northeastern had got postponed because of a COVID-positive test in the Northeastern program. It's TBD when that will be rescheduled, and it's still up in the air. Uh, Coach Inglesby said this weekend about what, you know, if they'll be able to make up maybe the second William & Mary game that they missed or another game, kind of what the women's team might have did earlier in the year when they had Charleston postponed and they ended up just playing Northeastern twice it would make it so they'll play them four times, but it's really unknown what will happen there. But, you know, with, after that, you have Drexel and then you have James Madison and then you have Towson and then you have the CAA tournament. So I, I want to ask you guys, how crucial are excluding Northeastern? I, we're going to just rule that out for now. Those six games that I just mentioned, how critical are they to this team in, you know, being able to maintain where they are right now in the standings at at least top six, because they're standing right now at fourth in the conference. Right. I think just in terms of, you know, that this is kind of what's going to kind of be how the season was going to go just because it was the nature of the schedule being all conference like that. So you knew when the season gets deep into the nitty gritty, you're going to be playing tough teams late, late in the year, and you're going to have to show up. And luckily, I think this weekend, and I know it's against an Elon team that's not necessarily that great. I think just in terms of the kind of like encouraging signs, just based off from seeing from the offense and just how just efficient we've kind of played both on both sides of the ball. I think it was really encouraging for, you know, regardless of who your opponents are. But I think this team finally is starting to turn the turn the corner a little bit, you know, starting to get healthy again, starting to really find their identity. So I think, you know, these next couple of games are really important. And I think, you know, it'd be really nice if they could, you know, split or end up, you know, stealing a game, get 500 or something out of those games. But they're, they're definitely going to go through the ringer here in, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, Northeastern getting possibly canceled. It's postponed, but possibly canceled is kind of a, a buy because Northeastern's one of the better teams. I think they're, yeah, they're first. So that would have been a tough series. Um, one that we probably would have liked to walk away with a split. Same for JMU. Uh, then 
Towson and Drexel, they're kind of towards the bottom, kind of in that Charleston range. So I think the next three series are pretty critical because I think if, if they drop below 500, that, that's not a good sign for the tourney. I think they need to stay above 500. So that means like splitting at the minimum. I think anything less than three wins would be pretty disappointing for this team. But I, I think they'll get there because just watching this weekend, it was the second weekend they had their three seniors back. And Ryan Allen, he was vintage Ryan Allen for maybe the first time this season, really. He, he played great on Sunday. And Anderson looked way healthier, better offensively, put more weight on his ankle. And Painter's been great all year. So I think offensively, this, this team's looking really good with their three main guys, and then Andrew Carr really playing well as a freshman. So I think I think they can easily, not easily, but I think three wins isn't anything monumental for this team in the next three series. So I, I'd say three to five wins is what they need to need to shoot for. I look at it in terms of the teams that I think that they need to. You know, I talked about last week with this Elon series that they needed to sweep Elon. I look at you need to get a sweep out of either Towson or Drexel because I do not think that either of those teams are better than Delaware. You know, coming into the season, I did think that Drexel, and based on the preseason rankings, I think a lot of people, coaches, uh, journalists, whoever, they thought that that Drexel would be up there with Delaware and Hofstra and kind of in that same boat that Delaware's been in for the past month, really, where Delaware hasn't met these expectations as much, and, and Drexel has not either. So I look at that those two series and I see I see Towson as the one that I think is most likely to be the the next the the sweep that I that they you would want to see out of them because Drexel does still have talent like top 5 top 10 talent in scoring at least in the conference with Cameron Winter averaging just under 18 right now as well as James Butler who's their big 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 kind of rock kind of like Dylan Painter in the in the middle averaging 14 a game right now so I look at I look at you know Drexel and I think that will be a tough series, but I I, I think I could see that being a sweep. And then I look at Towson and I, I think that is a series that you you kind of compare it to that same way of Elon's playing right now. And obviously things can change with you know that being almost a little bit about a month away. But but I look at the the Towson series at least as being a must-have sweep. And even Drexel with the way they've been playing right now, I, I think you need to say that you should at least take one game. But if you can get a sweep, that'd be great because I look at JMU and I know not a lot of people thought, I mean, even the rankings, they were towards the bottom of the conference. They've been playing really well. They have Matt Lewis, who's right now averaging 21 points a game. He was the preseason favorite to be player of the year. And it just seems like they've played very well. They have Vado Morse as well, averaging 14 a game. So, and they're four and one in the conference. I look at that JMU series as a game, as a series that you just want to be able to, to get that one win. You know, if you can get that one win, that's what you need. And then if you can grab it, grab the second sweep, the second win, that's cool. But I do not think, and I think that's easy to say that you can't have any of these teams sweep you in the upcoming weeks. And then whenever you, maybe you might have to play Northeastern on a short week and then go into one of those games as well on a short week, week as we've seen with teams in the conference. And as we've seen with the women's team. Yeah, no, definitely. Like you, you can't afford to slip up here, like taking a sweep. It doesn't matter what team it is. It, you can't take, you can't take a sweep right here. And yeah, you know, JMU is looking really like good right now. And, you know, Towson is scrappy. And, you know, I just think based off of like having the the possibility of having to face Northeastern on a short week, you can't afford to take a sweep. And you got to kind of handle what's in front of you um, just in case that you do have that that uh, series rescheduled. Or, you know, I just think that, that that's where it kind of gets tricky for Delaware is like 
if they do reschedule that and maybe if I don't know if, if they're even considering this, but if they ever did reschedule that the second William and Mary game, um, like you mentioned, Pat, like that's when it gets kind of dicey because it's like you're literally on a fly, you're literally rescheduling games on the fly in like the most difficult point in the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think the middle's like really tight right now in the CAA. So there's not a lot like there's no separation really. And you know, if they if they dropped the if they dropped a six, they could lose out on a tiebreaker. I mean, they they lost their one to William and Mary. If they can't make that up, there goes the tiebreaker. So I like I don't think there's much room for error here, especially you're going to play JMU, who is likely going to be at or right below you in the standings. So I I don't think there's room for error. And I with a Towson team that's like what what are they three and ten? I I don't think you can like split with them and be happy. And I, I do think that one thing with this conference we got to keep in mind though is that that you know they I don't know this is just complete speculation I'm going to say that right now I don't know if they're going to make it you know I don't know if they're going to be able to schedule all these games so will they go by win percentage or will they go by conference record that is the big thing that is one thing you got to keep in mind I think but still I mean that is true with what Connor said about this con- the middle of the conference especially being very tight I mean Delaware obviously five and four I'll look at win percentage right now Delaware is about fifty five percent. William and Mary's the next best at 50. Charleston's at 50. They've split with Charleston. Right now, William and Mary obviously has the one one point advantage. And then after Delaware or ahead of Delaware is Hofstra at seven, 70%, James Madison at 80%, and Northeastern at 87.5%. So so I mean that one through, you know, that's one through six right there. Delaware, William and Mary, and Charleston are right there. And Drexel's at 33%. So they're a little far back. But I mean, if they can get one series in and sweep a team, you know, that's, they're right in the mix as well. So I think it, it it really will be interesting to see how down the stretch, you know, Delaware can play because what you would love to see is just, you know, if they start winning, get on a roll, they're on a three game win streak right now, you can carry that in. And that's really, you know, you're controlling your own destiny at that point. And you don't have to worry about what another team does, but, but it'll be interesting to see just how the way this team has played. Cause at times this team has not been the most consistent team in the world as we've kind of talked about in these past episodes and just how we've, we've seen them play on the court. But with that in mind, we're going to take a, uh, take a, take a switch over now to talk about the, uh, the team that went one and one for the first time this year in conference play. The women suffer. I say in the doc, uh, as I'm looking at it right now, I have suffered in quotation marks because I wouldn't say it's, it's huge. It's a, I wouldn't personally say it's a huge loss, but we'll get into that game one on Saturday. Delaware did win. They won 74 to 55 over Elon Jasmine Dickey put up another 20-point-plus game. She had 25 points. China Latimer with a career-high 16 points. Ty Battle, 7 points, 10 rebounds. And then the freshman, Ty Skinner, with 10 points of her own. Delaware put up 40 points in the second half and really dominated the second half as a whole. They shot 48% from the field and 47% from three. Game two, however, didn't go in Delaware's favor. They lose 83-61. to Jasmine Dickey finishes with 22 points as she also played a full 40 minutes of basketball for the Blue Hens. And after Dickey, no one else on the Blue Hens was able to score in double-digit figures for that game. That is something that we have not really seen all year with this team. And really, the storyline was for Elon. They were just able to play well. They scored 46 points in the second half compared to Delaware's 27 for Elon scoring. Bree Perpigan finished with 20 points. Sadia Mumford finishes with 16. Ariel Cologne finishes with 15. And Ivana McGill finishes with 10. So I want to ask you guys this. I mean, what are your initial reactions to, I guess, their first 
their series as a whole, but in particular, their first loss in conference play, their first loss in a while, their first loss since losing to George Washington back in December. You know, what are your takeaways from this? Do you overreact? Do you underreact? What are your guys' thoughts? Man, I think you got to underreact, bro, because, like, we, we've been saying it for a couple of weeks now, like, maybe th- when are they going to slip up? Looking at the schedule, what, where could they possibly, uh, you know, slip up? But just based off of how game one went and then seeing, you know, in game two, Elon just played good and Delaware turned the ball over a ton, didn't shoot very well and didn't really have the best ball movement, which is kind of a recipe for disaster. So I'm going to underreact on this one. I don't think it's that big of a deal just based off of the fact that they've up to now and kind of still are the best team in the conference. So, you know, it is what it is. I think, you know, I'm not going to hold, you know, too much weight to this loss just, just because of the nature of how the weekend went and just, the things that they did wrong in game two are certainly like correctable. You know, it's not the end of the world that they lost this one. So I'm not worried about it. I'm with Joe on the underreaction. I feel like it was just, it's just a loss that happens in conference play. I mean, the best of the best teams lose conference games and men's and women's basketball. So it's not expected, but I, th- I think it's something you can't get mad at. And really like Elon's not a bad team. I remember like last week, Pat, we talked about like Elon. It's not a trap series, but it's a series against a good team. It's not a bottom of the barrel team. I think they've, they've split with every team they've played in conference play and they've played JMU, Drexel and us. And that's like the big three of the CAA so far, or at least in national rankings. So like Elon's not a bad team. They're playing well. And I think what, Basically, what bit us on Sunday was just offensively, no one aside from Dickie got up many shots. And she she really struggled because she commands all the attention. Um, so I, I just think it was an unbalanced attack with turnovers. I, I can't like I can't put much blame blame on blame on them. It's just a loss. It's going to happen. There's 18 conference games. You can't expect them to win them all. So underreaction here. Yeah, I mean, I even when I wrote that in the uh, in the doc that we use, I, I knew I knew honestly, I knew all three of us were going to say underreact because even I knew writing that I was we were going to it's it, as Connor said, it's a loss. You know, there's 18 games, you've just said. And I mean, how this team's played at times, you know, 22 turnovers to so that. That was the amount of turnovers they had today. I mean, on Sunday, that can constitute a loss. And especially when you don't get, you know, a lot of scoring outside of your other players. Uh, besides Jasmine Dickey, you know, when, when a team like Elon starts playing well and they shoot, you know, 50% from the field, 53% just under um, from beyond the three point arc, that's going to, that's going to come and get you and kind of, kind of bite you. But, but I'm not really concerned. I think, you know, going forward, it's, it's honestly, it might be the best thing for this team. You know, you don't, you wouldn't want a team to go in my opinion, at least to go 18 and 0 uh, through the conference and then get to, you know, the quarterfinals against a struggling, you know, either a team that was in the bottom six towards the back of the pack in terms of, um, you know, that top six by seat or a team that has already played one game. You wouldn't want to go into that not knowing what it feels like to lose. I, I think that, you know, it's something that this team can only grow from. And, you know, they have, and we, we can get into this right now, actually, because I kind of want to look at, I want to look at the conference, but I also kind of want to look at next week with their Northeastern matchup. You go in next week against a team in Northeastern that's, that's been struggling. You know, they're two and six right now in the conference, which is second to last in the, uh, in the CAA of a 25% uh, win percentage in the conference. And they've just been, they've been struggling as a whole. And the other thing is Delaware has played Northeastern already twice this year. They played them up in Boston earlier in conference play. I'll run through real quick Northeastern again, 
Northeastern, the updated stats, at least they're scoring 60 points per game, which is third worst in the conference. And they give up 66 points per game, which is middle of the pack six, but, uh, but they're, they, they, they don't give up a ton of points, but they don't give up a, a, not a ton of points either. They're not the top defensive team as we've seen, like what we saw with William and Mary maybe earlier in the year, but they are an efficient shooting team. They shoot 41% from the field, which is second best in the CAA. And they're in the middle of, of the pack shooting team from, from the three point arc. So so, you know, they have some of an offensive game. They might not be the most efficient team in terms of points scoring. And we've seen with Delaware, I mean, the women's team, especially they need Delaware likes to score a lot of points and especially at home, they like to score a lot of points. So, and Delaware will be at home. So, so I guess to start, you know, how, give me your prediction on Northeastern and then we can look at the conference as a whole. Does the women's team bounce back? Do they go two and zero next weekend at the Bob Carpenter center? Yeah. So my thing with Northeastern is like, look, they already went to Northeastern and beat them twice. And they beat them pretty handily in the first game. The second game, uh, you know, the scoreboard's kind of deceiving. They kind of controlled that game for the most part, for the, the for the majority of the game. So the fact that Northeastern's coming to Delaware now to, you know, have this series, you know, it's getting late in the, you know, it's getting late in the year. we got about a month left. You know, you just got a couple, couple more series to go. So this is just, you know, I know they're two and six in conference play, but this is just as important for them as it is for us. So I think you can't slip up here, especially at home. And I know that they lost last, you know, this week, I should say, but I'm sticking to it 2-0 at home. You can't, you can't split it. If you already swept them on the road, you can't, you can't drop one at home. So I'm going 2-0. I'm with you, Joe. 2-0 for them. I feel like Northeastern's just, they're they're towards the bottom. They split with JMU and then dropped twice to Drexel this weekend. So I just don't feel like, their offense just didn't look good when they played us at Boston and it hasn't looked good since. Um, so I, I think it's a two and zero. I think they, the blue hens bounce back. I think maybe a little fire fires lit, lit under them after this loss. But the main thing I'm like looking for key to the keys to the weekend is just more balance because having Jasmine Dickey, having to put up 26 shots is just not going to win you basketball games because you have to have more balance. I mean, she's a great shooter. She's a great player, a great creator on the offensive end, but there has to be more balance there. I look at this weekend and I do agree with you guys. I think to go two and but I think this is a, even though Northeastern is a struggling team, I think this is a, this is a, uh, this is a test for this team. How can you respond after kind of, you know, slipping up in this Sunday game, losing your first conference game, not playing your best game either. It wasn't like it was really that close, especially in the second, by the end of the second half. So, I mean, how do you respond to, you know, getting punched in the mouth a little bit last week at Elon in that second game? But I think this team has what it takes to respond to that because, you know, they've all year, it just seems like, you know, talking to Coach Adair in particular, she has her team coached very well and she knows how to prepare them every game for just to focus on that one game or that one series. I like this team going 2-0, especially because of the fact that it's a struggling Northeastern team, as we've talked about. Delaware still likes to score points. They like to shoot the basketball a lot. And I, I, I think that one thing that, you know, Delaware will have to do is they'll have to turn the ball over less. I mean, you know, they're, they're middle of the pack in turnovers right now, but, you know, you would rather have you not turn the ball over 22 times on Sunday. They averaged 22 turnovers through two days. Uh, this weekend against Elon, that's something that you're going to have to clean up if you want to beat any basketball team. So my key for the weekend for Delaware going 2-0 and uh, to get back in the form, you know, turn the ball over less. Don't, don't, just don't turn the, you can't turn the ball over as much as you had in these last two games. 
and I think though that that will help, and this team will still find a way to pull out a two and zero sweep as a whole. And to kind of to kind of bounce off that, I want to look now at the conference standing. Delaware kind of do what we did with the men. You know, Delaware. It's the same type of schedule. Um, they have Delaware's Northeastern obviously this weekend. Then they have Drexel. They have JMU, and then they have Towson to finish off the year. So you know, same question I asked with the men. Looking at the conference, looking at that schedule, what games? You know, what series? What series do you guys think is the most pivotal one for this team, you know, in these next, in this month of February, heading into the early March and conference tournament time? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm pulling up the schedule here now and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it and you see you got this Northeastern and then you got the one and one against Drexel and JMU and Towson. And I just think that just based off of the schedule, like you kind of have to, I feel like just regardless of the talent of the teams, bro, I think for both the men's and the women's team that the like split, the one-on-one split is going to be weird just because it's like the whole season you're, you're used to, you know, you're at home one weekend, you're away next weekend, you're home one weekend, you're away next. And having that weird kind of wrench in the schedule, whether, you know, necessarily the women's team slips up against Drexel or maybe it's after that series, just because they've been kind of thrown off the rhythm. Um, that's, the area and the schedule where I look at where you're kind of like, all right, you're kind of facing some just built in adversity already because you're not used to the schedule being like this based off just this weird COVID schedule and season in general. So I think that, you know, JMU and, and I mean, Towson both just because of the, the last of the season, it's kind of hard to pick, but either one, you can't slip up. I feel like you got to finish strong, especially how strong they started off this whole season. I think Drexel is probably the most pivotal series because I feel like if they struggle there, it could snowball into the JMU series. And I, my opinion is that Drexel and JMU are the two competitors that Delaware has to look at. Towson, I don't think Towson's like played the same game, amount of game. Yeah, they're two and one in conference. So like we don't have a read on them really. I feel like Drexel and JMU and Delaware are the top top three. And I, if you, if they struggle against Drexel, I I would be worried about it snowballing in, into JMU. But I still think Delaware is the best team out of those three. I mean – I have a bone to pick with the mid-major top 25. Every week, Drexel and JMU are above Delaware, and I'm like, okay, notoriety last year, out of conference, but, like, what have we done that they haven't – or, yeah, what have we? What have they done that we haven't done? I mean, they both split, split with Elon. We split with Elon. So, this week, I'm like, I don't know how we're behind them if we've won all our games and they haven't, and we've played more games. But, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see until they play them to see where their teams stack up. But I think a one-on-one split with Drexel and JMU is okay to believe because they are good teams. Um, Sweeping Towson at the end, headed into the tourney would be preferable um, just to have the momentum going. It is, it is the most, you know, I don't want to say Delaware's had an easier schedule these first, you know, uh, 10 conference games, but definitely it is not, they have not really faced anyone yet. That you know, and obviously you you some of the teams they played obviously Char- they haven't played Charleston, William and Mary. I mean, all the teams Delaware has played actually looking at it, the schedule now actually or the conference standings, you know, has played a decent amount of games. The one team right now that's as you talked about Connor, that's not really that's kind of a dark horse is Towson. They're two and one in the conference, haven't played a lot of games because of some COVID issues. But you start with this, you know, after Northeastern, it is the the best three teams right now behind Delaware in the conference in almost exact order, Drexel right now in second, Towson in third, and JMU in fourth. But, I mean, I look at the series that that I think 
is the most important as the JMU series, just because, you know, that's the team that, you know, last year's that's been the favorite. They're the favorite this year. And it was a team last year that everyone would talk about. And it was a team last year that, you know, kind of that would handle Delaware easily because when Delaware wasn't, you know, a top, a top three team in this conference. And I think that, you know, kind of the, the, if you can sweep JMU at home, that's kind of, I, I want to say that's kind of the passing of the, the mantle over, you know, JMU, everyone thought coming into this year would be that team. And they're four and three right now in the conference. So they played seven games. It's not like they've only played three games in Towson. So I think that, you know, I look at JMU in particular, and that's a huge series because if you can go in and sweep that team at home, you have all the momentum then going against Towson next week and then going into the conference tournament in March. And I think that's something that this team would need. And they're, I mean, I'll say this, they're all three, all three of these series are big tests, Drexel, Towson, and JMU. There's none that is, you can't pinpoint one and say that is the most important. I think you could do that a little with the men's side. All three of these teams are good teams. They all have good players. Towson, you know, their offense is crazy good with Kiana Jeter and Drexel's just a solid team in general. So I think, I don't think you can look at, you can't look at all three of these teams and say that they're not, you know, they're just all three good teams and it'll be, it will be interesting to see. We'll definitely have coverage, you know, with this podcast every week for sure. Hopefully we'll get some more games. Uh, all three of us are in uh, with uh, the student radio station as well. So hopefully we'll be able to do some coverage of those home games and some form of coverage in the CAA tournament as well for both teams. Um, but with that in mind, really, um, that's all we got for this week of the Hens Half Court podcast here with the sports staff at The Review. You can find this podcast, all of our episodes on wherever you get your podcasts at, including on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and multiple other streaming sites, which can be found on the Review's website, which is www.udreview.com. That is one word. And you can also find those episodes as well posted on the Review's Twitter, which is at UDReview Twitter. That is one word. For myself, Patrick, Joe, and Connor, uh, we hope you guys have a, a good rest of your week, and we'll, we'll catch you guys back next week. <laughs>